the automotive hour. And your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, if you enjoy, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure wish you would. We appreciate hearing from folks all around town, all around the country, wherever you may be. That's it. Just get in the right time zone and uh, give us a call. There you go. Kind of makes it a lot easier to do the show for us. You sure. Know, you don't have to try to think try of things, things to say. say. Yeah. <laughs> Last week, we started out talking about framework, chassis repair, uh-huh. things like Alignment that. Things. And we didn't finish complete. There's a couple more things you want to add to that. Right. Automobiles and vehicles are not the only thing that need frame repair. That's right. These little side-by-side UTV, ATV-type vehicles, mm-hmm. they all have a frame on them. That's right. And they get damaged quite often, whether it be a mishap in the woods or maybe the teenage kids took it out for a, get a, for a hazard. And, yeah, <laughs> jumped it. All those things can be straightened also. That's right. So yeah. if you've got one that's damaged, give us a call. Let's see if we can straighten it out yeah, for you. Yeah, a lot of times you can replace the frame on it, but that is generally a very, very expensive, very, very labor-intensive thing. It is. And a lot of times you can go in and correct those straighten them out for a fraction of what it would cost you to replace the frame on it and some of those vehicles are even wide enough to be on to be aligned afterwards that's right the alignment machine is two ramps and they're set a certain distance apart and some of the bigger machines will actually go up on there and you can align the front end when you get done so Mm -hmm. it's a verified repair another thing that we used to straighten a lot i hadn't had this in recent times but it's boat trailers sure Uh, somebody would jackknife a boat trailer right and Rather than replace the whole trailer or just throw it away, you could go in and straighten that to some mm-hmm. degree. So the term frame applies to more than just, just automobiles. Automobile. Right. Anything basically with a frame that mm-hmm. will fit on the machine can be uh, manipulated back into spec. There you go. We're going to talk a little bit All more right. about that. Take a phone call. We've got Tim online. Good morning, Tim. Sister's car. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a 2014 Kia Soul, and it has 34,000 miles on it. And just a few days ago, she got in to drive it. Check engine light came on, so she took it directly over to her favorite shop. And they said it was throwing, I guess, the code P050A. And they said what it's got is fouled spark plugs from bad gas. And anyway, uh, four new spark plugs. They did some uh, cleaning here, uh, clean induction system ports, intake valves, and combustion chambers. And everything's running great again. She says it, it runs great. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the, she fills up at a uh, chain station. Well, not a chain station. It's a, it's a, a department store with uh, yeah, gas. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's top-tier gas. It's on the pump and everything. So it's just a question whether would gas, bad gas really cause foul plugs? It's possible Tim, first thing you told me, it's like 2014, it's, you say? Yeah, it's seven years so old. So it's se- seven years old. It's got 30,000 miles. That car is not being driven hardly at all. I mean, that car right. is sitting a lot, and which that, is going to make the situation yeah. far, far, far worse. I don't like that department store type gasoline. I know you've got this top tier standard and all now, but that really only relates to the amount of detergent they got in the fuel, not how clean the fuel is. Every time oh. I've ever seen a vehicle with major fuel system problems and i ask the people where do you buy your fuel i never hear exxon i never hear shell i never hear mobile i always hear this department store that department store and i'm not i don't have any scientific evidence to back that up but i do not like that stuff i prefer going to a name brand station 
you know, even though a name brand company may make the fuel for them, they're making it to their specs. So I just prefer to get the name brand fuel. And the name brand fuel, even you, you're buying the name brand fuel, you need a high-volume station. Yes. You need somebody that's turning that fuel over once a week at least, you know, a full tank of fuel. But to answer your question, I think it's probably more a problem with not driving the car enough than it is bad fuel unless the fuel sat there and went through phase separation which can happen if you don't use it up fast enough in any fuel yeah you got ethanol in the fuel it's going to separate from the petroleum in about 90 days and you'll start getting these kind of problems unless you're going through a full tank of gas way less than 90 days like every month or so at the most you're going to have issues like that but it's really needs to be driven more and you know when okay. i say driven more it probably needs about 40 to 50 miles at least once a week and i'm not talking about putting around town until i get on the highway get it up to full speed hold it at full speed at least once a week to really operate properly okay well here there's a twist twist to the story mm-hmm. in the springtime i had gotten my uh, for my car my favorite oil my 5w20 mm-hmm. fully synthetic and I got plenty of it on sale and so on. So uh, when she went to get an oil change, I said, and this is before I know you guys around and changing uh, oils. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, why don't you just take a gallon of this? They, they allow you to bring in old oil. Uh, I think the shop uses a, like a 50-50 mix. And I said, well, this is fully synthetic. It should last a little longer. Anyway, she did that oil change in the springtime. And uh, now do you think maybe that's our problem? That, that's it could how possibly we got be. It could possibly be because when all brands are changed, and, you know, all oil is mostly good. I mean, it's not like anybody's making a bad petroleum out there right now. So whatever brand you use, it's generally good. However, the additive packages do vary between the oils. And I first noticed this way back, like, in the 1970s. I had a little Toyota Corolla, and I was using a specific brand of oil, and it never used a drop of oil. I used to monitor it pretty closely. And someone told me that there was this new oil out, and it was better, and da-da-da. So anyway, I changed the new oil, and it immediately started using about two quarts of oil between the change. They had never, wow. ever done that before. So I went ahead, I went back to my original oil, and after about two or three changes, it did take up, and it quit using oil, and I kept the car for 300,000 miles, and it never used oil again. And it just, it did something to the seal on the ring, I suppose. I don't know the chemical properties that took place there. But I was talking to a friend of mine who was a petroleum engineer, and he said, oh, absolutely. She, she never changed the brands of all. He says they are all good, but they're not all compatible. And you can get all kinds of little interactions. So, yeah, if it did that where it started to use some all and all got in a combustion chamber, combined with the real limited use, that could definitely file plugs. A little bit of all will oh. file a plug pretty quick. Okay, so I think uh, maybe we better just um – Make sure on the oil uh, that it's I would go up. back yeah. to the original and start monitoring. Yeah, have her start monitoring her all, like checking it between changes and make sure the level's not going down. And if it is okay. and it's not leaking anywhere, then it is consuming some oil, which will definitely, it'll not only lead to foul plugs, but it can end up fouling the catalytic converter because all it all is going out the exhaust, too. It's not going to burn in the combustion uh-huh. process. So you, you can end up with big problems. And we yeah. see that a lot with people who change. You know, they go here and they go there. They just go to different places and get their oil changed. A lot of them end up with oil consumption problems. Okay, so the first move here is maybe really should be go back to get an oil change and go back to the original shop oil. I probably would, it. and and I would start monitoring. I know it's inconvenient to have to check your oil level between changes, and most cars now hold a fair amount of oil. 
A lot of them hold five, six quarts. So even if it gets low, if it goes down two or three quarts, you probably would not notice it unless you checked. So yeah. especially with the low mileage that she's got, you know, she's, she's probably not burning enough to where it's going to, all light's going to come on or something. Let's say it holds six quarts and she's only driving 3,000 miles every six months. Well, she's not ever going to notice that it's going down unless she checks it. So I would start yeah. checking if that all level is falling, then that adds a little more fuel to the fire that that is going on. And she's out of warranty now, so, you know, there's no kind of warranty or remedy for that. But a lot of times I've noticed if you go back to the original oil, it will eventually take up. Okay. All right. Very good. I'll um, move forward here with some, uh, make some corrections. Okay, Tim. Thanks right. for calling, man. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. You are part of the Automotive Hour. We'd love to have you. That's a phenomenon that I've never seen any data on. Right. Uh, I guess most people don't think about it. I know I've never seen any kind of industry papers on or anything about changing all. But a friend of mine is a petroleum engineer. That's all he did all his life. Uh-huh. Is, in fact, he worked for ExxonMobil. And he said that it definitely can, oh, it can definitely be a different problem. He said they once had some oil that got blended and mixed in a tank, a huge quantity. It gelled that entire tank of oil. Something mm-hmm. just didn't, didn't go right. right. So, yeah, it's, it's a thing there. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Let's see if we can go back and catch one more line for the break. we got Stephanie online. Good morning, Stephanie. Hi, how are you? Doing great, Good. ma'am. I had a quick question. My 17-year-old son is just now driving. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, 16. Uh, I need a good, economical, safe, and reliable car for him for mm-hmm. about 10000 Any recommendations? Your best bets, although the price is going to be a problem, your Toyota and Honda products, to me, show less problems than almost any other car on the road. Okay. The thing is, people know that, and so the price goes up. So you find a Toyota or a Honda on the used market, and they still want 50% of the new price when they're 10, 15 years old. You, right. you do pay a high price. Back in the day, and he's going to absolutely hate this. He's going to hate me for telling you this. But one really good car was the old Ford Crown, Crown Victoria Vic. yeah. and the Mercury, Mercury Marquis. Marquis because they had fairly low resale value. They were built like a tank, and you could buy them really cheap, and they were good. I remember them. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, just, they're all going away now because they hadn't built one in many years. So if you find one, it's going to be so old that it's probably not going to be. But Economical. Yeah, I used to always recommend that because it's a big, heavy, safe car. Full frame. And you could yeah. you could find them for three or four thousand, five six thousand with fairly low mileage because elderly people generally drove those cars. And elderly people, not to say anything bad, but they tend to go away in time, and their cars come on the market a lot more. So and a lot less mileage. Yeah, with right. low mileage and in good condition. But there's really not a car that I can think of that's like that right now. They just several years ago they kind of quit building cars to last and everything they started building all these high-tech cars but Mm -hmm. if you could find a higher mileage toyota or honda product i would feel pretty safe with that i mean otherwise you just kind of roll the dice if you buy something else just be sure you get it checked bring it in for a pre-purchase inspection somewhere have it Mm -hmm. checked real good make sure there's nothing wrong with that particular car and most cars if they are maintained properly will give adequate service just you know, some are more problematic than others. Okay, well, that's helpful. Thank you so much. Yeah, All right. Have a great day. All right, right Stephanie. Thank thanks, Colin. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, take our first quick little break, and then we'll be right back with a whole lot more in the Automotive Hour. If you ever 
plan to motor west. Mimi, your hair is so cute. Who cuts it? Oh, thanks. I got a guy for you. Here's his card. It just says Fallon. Oh no, it's Fallon. Well, uh, Fallon doesn't have a number on his card. I know. Appointments with Fallon are referral only. But I must cut a lock of your hair. Deliver it to Fallon. He will put it under his pillow for a week, and your style and cut will come to him in a vision. Seems like old Fallon has quite a gig going. Today, everybody's got a guy. If you're looking for an automotive guy, think Agco Automotive. No complications, just quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, they complete an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so you can budget for the year and keep your car in tip-top shape. So, how much does Fallon charge for a cut? That will come to him in a vision too. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. <laughs> Hey, welcome back. This is Jonas, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Sure appreciate spending your Saturday morning with us. And if you got a question or a comment on the show, give us a call. It's 291-6901. And should you happen to miss your prime opportunity to get a live answer this morning, you can always go to our website and get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There's a contact bar on each and every page. Click the button. A little form is going to pop up. Fill it out and hit the submit button. There you go. It couldn't be any easier than that. They give me a question. I'll get an answer back to you within 24 hours. And I'm not quite as good as I used to be. When I used to work all day long, I had a computer all day. Sure, sure. Now, now, now that you're uh, semi-retired, yeah, I just don't stand by a computer all day long anymore. <laughs> don't have to. Huh? <laughs> I, you know, I try to catch that first thing in the morning. Uh-huh. So if you send something to me at noon, it may be the next morning before you get it. Sure. But if you send it in the morning, I will generally get it back to you pretty quick. So Within 24 hours. Oh, yeah, within 24 hours regardless. There you go. So, anyway. Of course, the best way is just go ahead and give us a call. That's it, that right get, now. Get a live and in-person answer. Ask all the questions you want. <laughs> all the questions you might have on your mind, you give us a call. And we always have some type of topic or guideline right. that we try to follow on each show, but you're never limited to that. Not ever. If we happen to talk about one particular thing and you have something else on your mind, that's fine. You just give us a call. We're going to answer regardless. That we will. Thought today we might talk just a little bit. I uh, hadn't spoke about this in a while, but a topic that's kind of dear to my heart, and that is extended warranties. Right. And I think that most people have very little knowledge about that kind of stuff. How it works. You know, it's one of these sayings that American people are probably the most insured and least covered people <laughs> on the face of the earth. Isn't that true? You got all these kinds of insurance you can buy. Oh, yeah, all kinds of whatever you got. You, can you got insurance. Pretty much buy an insurance policy or anything. And the reason for that is it's a very, very, very lucrative business. Sure. It's one of those businesses that makes a whole lot of money for the people who offer the products. But it generally does not work out so well for the people who buy the mm-hmm. product. Exactly. And an extended warranty is probably one of the best examples. If you go online and type in extended warranty, you're going to have 10,000 hits on advertisements. Sure. These are people who sell these policies are going to inundate your computer. You got to go probably 50, 60 pages back to get to some unbiased data. Maybe mm-hmm. somebody like Consumer Reports or Consumer.org. And they're going to normally tell you this is not going to be a good deal for you. Right. First off, it's not a warranty at all. It's an insurance policy. Sure. It's a, a decreasing term life policy. It's all it is, a short-term policy or a decreasing amount. The thing is, with extended warranties, they're generally sold to people 
of course, now I see them television ads and everything oh, else. They're trying to broaden their markets. But where they traditionally get sold is when you buy a new car and the sales says, look, we got this extended warrant. It's the greatest thing in the uh-huh. world. And he's going to put a lot of pressure. Oh, yeah. They're going to try. And and the best thing to do at that point is just to say, no, thank you. No. If he keeps coming on, just turn around, get up, and walk out. That's right. And that's all you can do. The reason they push these so hard is because they make a big, fat commission sure they on do. selling you this policy. In fact, in most dealerships, the top paid person in the entire dealership, the finance other than the owner, is the finance and insurance guy, uh-huh. F&I guy. He always makes the biggest check of everybody. He's making more than the service manager. He's sure. making more than the sales manager. He's making big, big bucks because of all these commissions. Now, they're going to try to convince you. If that doesn't work, they're going to try to shame you into it. Uh You should be ashamed that you're passing up this wonderful opportunity. They're going to try to scare you into it. Oh, man, this car. You know, I had a guy try to sell me one when I bought my pickup truck. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and he kept on. I said, well, this thing breaks that much that i got to buy an insurance uh, policy to cover it. it." Why would I want to buy it? Yeah, maybe I shouldn't buy it. Maybe I'll go look at something that doesn't break as much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to back Start off there. But, you know, it's no different than walking into the casino or playing the lottery. And what the principle is, there's two basic concepts that most people have hardwired into their brain. And number one is to avoid risk. Mm-hmm. And number two is to get more than they pay for. That's just kind of hardwired into the human psyche. Now, Unfortunately, those two are contradictory to each other, right? and that's what gets us in trouble because generally to avoid risk, you're going to pay more, and you know, to pay more, you're going to take less risk. But what they do is they'll come at you with a what seems like a low amount, and there's, if you look at the price of this policy, I don't know how much they cost, a couple thousand bucks. At least. But compared to that $60,000 car you're buying, it's a relatively low amount. Mm-hmm. And if they can convince you that the benefits are high – relative to the cost, then they can generally make the sale. Uh It's sort of the way that the lottery works. You know, your odds of winning a lottery are almost zero. Right. You have, I I think some of these big lotteries said you have a better chance of getting hit by lightning than you do winning this lottery. But the amount they're asking for is relatively low. So So people say, well, I don't mind spending a few bucks to take a chance. Maybe I'll get it. Maybe I won't. I I know I probably won't. But they don't mind risking a, a relatively a small, small amount. amount. So the first trick is they try to make it look like a relatively small amount in relation to the amount you're spending. Mm-hmm. So that's going to kind of set you up for it. And then they're going to say, oh, this is if it was so great, then why would it be pushing it on you? Or is there not if a business it, to yeah. lose money? If it was that great, you'd be asking for it. Yeah, you'd be going to them trying to beg them to sell it to you. Yeah, they are going to make money. And the way they're going to make money is by paying out considerably less than what to take in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you figure they got to pay a big fat commission to the guy who sold it. Sure. That money's gone. They got to operate that company. So they have got to cut costs to an absolute minimum. And that's how they make their money. And that's true, I guess, with any insurance. People generally tend to think, well, I'm kind of unlucky and I, I might need you. But, you know, insurance is one of those things. There are times when it is a good thing and you pretty much got to have it. Right. And then there's times when you don't necessarily need it. I mean, if you consider liability insurance on your car, number one, it's mandated in most states by law. So it's not even a, it's not an option anymore. It's not an option. You got to have it. But if you think about, okay, if I do something careless or stupid or make a mistake, it could cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Sure. And I don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I've got to carry liability insurance to spread that risk among a number of people. Mm -hmm. 
The same thing maybe with your health insurance. And again, now it's mandated by law in the United States that you carry it. But if you have an episode that's pretty serious, it could cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. Easily. And you can't afford to take that risk. So you have have to to insure that. The point is, if it is something you absolutely cannot afford to to risk, then you have to insure it. But that's normally not going to be the case. Most repairs, particularly on a newer car, you're buying a new car, the policy only covers five or six years. In the first five or six years, the odds of having a major repair that you can't afford are very, very, very low. Very slim. I mean, you may have a two or $300 repair, which is going to probably aggravate you, but it's not going to wipe you out. Right. A much better plan is to take the amount of this policy, if you just hell-bent on spending it, stick it into an investment account of some sort, a let safe it, investment, let, it, draw let it sit there and draw interest, and when your car breaks, take the money well, out and pay it. Sure. Now, if you maintain the car, you take care of the car, the chances of having a major repair. Well, you better take slim. a fine vacation with the money left over at the end of the term, I mm-hmm. can tell you. Because they it's, it's what the insurance companies are doing. They're taking some money from you. They're setting it in an investment account. They're earning the interest on it. And they're paying out a very small percentage. Right. And even if they have to pay out a, a major repair, they're going to nickel and dime it until it's not really feasible to even have it done. Yeah. Well, number one, there's generally going to be some kind of a deductible on it sure number there's two there's some, some reason why yours didn't cover isn't fully covered number three they want to put used parts or aftermarket parts or the cheapest possible part cheapest they can ever possible find. way they can go they want to repair nothing but what is broke not necessarily what caused it to break or sure. any of that kind of stuff because you're close to the end of your policy term so it's generally not going to be in your best interest. Right. To, not, not to mention the things that the shop has to deal with trying to get all this stuff covered. Well, it's going to delay uh, the repair by a wide, oh, wide margin. I know we had a guy come in with a transmission problem that could have been in and out of the shop in two days. Sure. Well, number one, they want to send an adjuster out to look at it. Well, that took a week. So this guy's car is sitting there for a week. Then they had to make up their mind. Well, that took another week. So now two weeks have gone by. Then they want to go in and only replace the one part that has failed, right. even though there's metal in the entire transmission. They want to take the whole thing apart, take yeah. the transmission apart, go in and replace the only broken part inside right. the unit, put all the old parts back in it, put it back in the vehicle. Right. They want the absolute yeah. cheapest way. That's not feasible. So by the time a month had gone by. The man's truck's still at the shop. His truck is still there. I don't know if it ever got. So he finally paid me just to fix it. Yeah. But he had bought. I don't know this, if he ever collected his, his money know. from them. I don't know. He finally said, "Look, I got to get moving here." Right. And the insurance company said, "Well, you can go ahead and do that if you want, but we ain't saying we're gonna pay it." Exactly. So I don't know if you ever I got anything out of it or not. Never heard. Yeah. So it's just you're not gonna come out on these things. It's just like playing the lottery or going to the casino and playing the roulette table. Mm-hmm. There's always one guy who's gonna walk out of a big handful of money. He's yep. gonna show it off to everybody. And everybody, oh man, look how good he is. The other thousands of people that thousands, were there. Yeah, they're not yeah. building these huge casinos Yeah, because the, people the are going winners, there winning money. Yeah, yeah the winners didn't build that. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched the one in New Orleans, and they got a, a Wells Fargo truck with tandem axles going there about once a day and haul the money out. There you <laughs> yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> so they're making some money somewhere. Yeah, they are. Hey, take our second quick little break. Be right back with a whole lot more in the automobile. 
TJ, I've been looking to tone up, man. You have a personal trainer, right? Yes, I've got the guy, Mr. Miyago. <laughs> He's going to teach me how to wax on, wax off. Mr. Miyago's no joke. Oh, sorry. He begins by filling your shorts with wet sand to provide weight resistance and enhance focus. Then launches into a series of drills like crouching tiger, hidden badger, fire monkey, flogging duck, and highly agitated dragon. Sounds kind of extreme. Yeah, bruh. Extreme results. Everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for the right automotive guy, it's Agco Automotive. We make it easy. Quality repairs and a staff you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, you get an annual checkup to diagnose problems that could cost you down the road. You will need to sign a waiver stating you are not allergic to pig intestines and live geese. I think I'm just going to hit the gym, TJ, but thanks. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Talking a little bit today about insurance and extended warranties, but we can take a call on any topic you might have. Yeah, just call. There you go. Not ever limited to whatever we may be jabbering about <laughs> in any given <laughs> any given point in time. That's right. And, you know, another thing with cars, if you've got a newish car that has to be financed, uh-huh. you have certain insurances that, that you have you're to going to have to cover. Right. The, the, the finance company is going to require full coverage. Right. They're going to want collision. They're going to want comprehensive. They're going to want all these different they're, policies. They're going to want their investment covered. They're protecting themselves. Right. And that probably makes some sense. Again, going back to our first rule, if you cannot afford the loss, then you have to insure. Sure. But when your car gets older, then it's kind of questionable as to whether or not these are a good deal anymore. I know the vehicles that I drive tend to be older vehicles because I keep cars forever. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to carry collision insurance on a 10-year-old vehicle because the value of the car has gone down to a point where – if you, something happens to it, you know, it's not much of a loss. It's just yeah. it's the loss of a vehicle. It, it's but, aggravating, but it's not going to wipe me out financially. Right. You know, right. I've got enough assets to self-insure and save the money that I would have spent right. paying someone and, else to assume this risk. Use it for something else. That's right. You know, number one, I'm a pretty good driver. I'm a pretty safe driver. So odds are, if anything happens to this car, someone else will be at fault. At fault. Right. And they're going to pay for it regardless. I know we, little, little Camry, I bought it new, but I did not put anything but liability on it. Mm-hmm. Again, just because I'm willing to roll the dice, because if the car were wiped out and it were my fault, it would really make me mad, but it wouldn't wipe me out financially. Exactly. I'd just go buy another car. But we had it in the parking garage the other day, and as they drove the car up, there's a pretty good-sized scratch on the door. Right. And you could see it was obviously fresh. So I just stopped right there, and I called the manager to come out. He looked at it, took pictures of it he says yeah it's, it's obviously was it happened here mm-hmm. so anyway long story short they ended up cutting me a, a check to get the repair done i right. took it over to vix and had it fixed. He fixed it and wasn't no big deal right again i don't have to carry insurance to cover that even if i had to pay out of pocket it just wouldn't have been that big of a deal i mean it wouldn't have wiped me out financially now again if the car is financed that's a different situation right you got to cover yeah you know, like i say you got to have full coverage insurance mm-hmm. on it because the finance company has to protect their investment. That's right. Same thing with comprehensive insurance, where I guess the biggest thing comprehensive covers is like windshields and stuff, although it does cover other things. Right. But 
a windshield, even an expensive windshield, is generally not all that much in the total scope of things. Well, I mean, and the majority of damage would, that happens doesn't yeah. take the windshield completely out. Right, it, it cracks it, it and yeah. uh, runs a crack through it or something like that. Yeah, I mean, mo- eventually they have to be changed. Yeah, out. a lot of times you can go in and just have them repaired. Even so, sometimes, you know, again, if three four hundred dollars is a lot of money to you and you can't come up with it to get your windshield repaired then Then maybe you should just go ahead and pay for the insurance but again it's not something where you're going to come out the insurance company is going to generally win on that they are and speaking of windshields they range anywhere from two three hundred dollars up to fifteen hundred dollars depending on what is actually in the windshields of the newer cars well some of the new cars have the cameras in them to do the lane departure and all that and even though the camera is probably not going to get damaged, it has to be removed and put back in. So it's got to be programmed, right. which is a relatively involved process. So, yeah, you can get a six, $700 windshield pretty fast. Sure. And and the worst thing you could, you could ever do is put a cheap windshield in a vehicle like that because everyone I've seen that's had a cheap windshield put in has had problems. Well, a and lot of times, taken yeah, back out. lights start coming on and all these kind of things because it just doesn't meet the specs. Right. You remember the uh, the Lexus we had with the rain sensor? Yes. The gentleman had had a windshield put in it, and he didn't go back with the factory windshield. Right. And the sensor wouldn't work through the windshield that they'd put in it, and the the rain sense wipers wouldn't work anymore. Right. It just just things like that. You wouldn't think that a windshield would cause that. Yeah. But yeah. Well, nowadays, like I said, they can cause a vehicle all kinds to of things. shut yeah. down and everything else because of lane departure and all that kind of junk and that's a whole nother story for oh, a whole man. other day yeah. <laughs> all that kind of stuff but the point is insurance is supposed to be designed and warranty is supposed to be designed to keep you from being wiped out mm-hmm. and they it does a good job of that you know if you're a young family person you got three young kids and a wife who's maybe a stay-at-home mom and your income is covering everything you have to have life insurance because although the odds on a young man dying or being killed is fairly mm-hmm. low if something happens, what about them? Right. So it's kind of irresponsible not to have insurance to take care of these kind of things. That's what insurance is designed for, right. to take care of risks you cannot assume. But as you get a little older and the value of your property is less, lower on certain things, you really don't have to insure everything. And in some cases, it's really not wise to insure. To do if it, you yeah. look at it, just set some money aside in case something happens and self-insure. And if you look at Two of the biggest money-making companies in the United States, one is finance and the other is insurance. Sure. And the reason they make so much money is because people are giving them a lot of money and not getting a whole lot back. Yeah. (laughs) Back. Yeah, same thing with financing. You know, once you reach a point in life where you can afford to pay cash for a car, then you save a whole lot more than, than you even realize. And if you keep that car and take care of that car where it doesn't have to be replaced constantly... Because one of the biggest expenses with any car is what we call depreciation. Mm -hmm. And what depreciation is, it's sort of a business term, and it addresses the fact that anything, any manufactured product that you buy, the first time you use it, it's starting to lose value. You know, if I buy an air compressor at the shop, every time it cycles on and off, it's wearing out. One day it's going to be worn out, and it's going to have to be replaced. So every time I use it, I have to accumulate a little bit of money to pay for the one that's going to place it. Same thing on a car. When you drive that car off the showroom floor 
it's probably going to lose about 25% of its value. Just leaving the showroom floor. Yeah. I mean, you haven't even put a mile on it, but it's not new anymore. Right. If you turned it around and tried to give it back, it would be a used vehicle now. That's right. And a well, used vehicle is going to carry a lot less. You go less. and buy a brand new car, and it costs you $60,000. Keep it for a couple of months. You say, you know, I really don't like this car. Put it on the market and see what you're going to get. Yeah. Probably about 35, 40, well, maybe. 40, 45 at most, depending on what kind of car it is. Some a lot less. Generally, your real fancy luxury models have way more depreciation. Mm-hmm. And one thing, like European cars, are generally pretty expensive when you buy them and have very low resale value. Uh-huh. Some of your Asian cars, like your Toyotas and all that, hold better resale value simply because they're a very well-built car. And, and they don't they're cost, very desirable, too. And they don't cost a huge amount of money to start with. But the thing is, that's a big part of your cost. If you buy this car new and something happens, you're not going to get back near what it was. And that's another thing with insurance. you got to watch most insurance policies are only going to pay the market value of the car. Right. They're going to go to the blue book and say, hey, this car is worth, let's say, $5,000. Right. Well, it's going to cost 6000 to repair it, so yeah, we're done. Right. Well, what it's happens total. is, like, let's say you lease a car. And, again, $60,000 car. You can use that because the numbers are easy with it. Okay. And after about three months... It gets wrecked. Okay, well, the collision or comprehensive insurance is going to come in, and they're going to pay the fair market value of that vehicle. Okay, so you paid sixty grand. You still owe fifty-five, sixty minus whatever payments you made uh-huh. up to that point, say fifty-five thousand. And they say, okay, the fair market value of this car is forty thousand. They're going to pay off forty thousand dollars. And your lease company, no, lease company is going to say you still owe. Right, this you're stuck much. with this much. You signed a contract, you can't get out of it. Mm-hmm. So now you got to buy what you call gap insurance to cover to cover the gap in what the car is worth and what you still owe on it. Which you know, to me, that is God's way of telling you 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 owe your head. Start money. with yeah. you. <laughs> you spent too much money to begin with. You made a real, real bad deal here. If I got to buy an insurance policy to cover the gap and uh-huh. what it's worth and, and what it is, but you know, these are the realities of life. Now, they are. what is much more financially savvy or, or smart, rather than go in and buy that new car, go in and buy a three-year-old car. Sure. Because in three years, it's probably lost close to 50% of its value. And required very little maintenance. Yeah, it really hasn't had a lot done to it. It didn't need a whole lot in the first three years. Now, you could say, okay, I can go out and get a six-year-old car, and it's lost even more of its value. That's sure. true. But, but you're assuming risk. more risk if the guy ahead of you did not take care of the car. Let's right. say he didn't do anything. Right. At 60,000 miles, it needs it, needed it needs a lot, of stuff. a lot of maintenance work. As opposed to a three-year-old car, probably doesn't need a whole lot at that point. Mm-hmm. Three years, it had mostly all changes. It's lost a significant amount of its value, so you can walk in at half price. Exactly. That's where I want to be. Right. Now, if you take care, number one, get it inspected before you buy it to Definitely. make sure it's not a problem. Any vehicle. Number two is take care of it. Then push that car out maybe 10, 12 years. Number one, you probably pay cash for the car when you bought it because right. it's down to half the price. So you're saving all the financing. So you don't have to f- carry full coverage insurance on right. it because you're not financing any money. These are the ways that people can accumulate mm-hmm. wealth in their lifetime is taking the big money-making people out of the transaction. Right. Your car companies make a ton of money. They Finance do. companies make a ton of money. Insurance companies make a ton of money. You take those they three out. They do that because they're taking it away from you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> take those three out, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, that's right. you got a better chance of ending up with a little money in your savings uh-huh. account at the end of the day. Hey, got to take our last quick little break. Be right back with more. 
Hey, Mike, I'm thinking about boiling some shrimp. You know where I can get a good price? Oh, yeah. I got a shrimp guy, but there's a catch. His name is Remy Labateau, and you have to go down to Lafouche Parish and meet him after midnight. Okay. He'll be behind the dumpster of an abandoned fireworks stand off Louisiana 1, and you have to buy exactly 50.3 pounds. Well, that's oddly specific. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, look no further than the team at Agco Automotive. No hassles, just straight up quality maintenance and repairs. And with Agco's general inspection, they can perform an annual checkup to find any problems and schedule maintenance to keep your car running right, saving you money in the long run. So what kind of seasoning do you use? Oh, I got a seasoning guy, too. How do you feel about traveling to Bangkok? Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our general manager, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co pilot seat. Hey, three two trying to answer any questions you may have. Just give us a call. It's 291-6901. Got all our lines wide open. You can give us a call, put you right straight up to the top of the list. Now we will. There you go. Talking about insurance. So right. I had a fellow come into the shop the other day. He said, well, I just don't feel safe without insurance. Uh-huh. I just don't want to have risk and all that. But then we talked a little further, and he's telling me they changes all over 10,000 miles. Right. And I'm I mean, thinking, yeah. now, wait a minute, this is kind of contradictory. It is. Because maintenance is the best, most reasonably priced insurance that you, you can possibly, possibly buy. And changing your oil more often can prevent I mean, this is not speculation. Maybe it'll happen. This is, will happen. Oh, yeah. Documented. Yeah, this is documented fact. Yeah, you're going to have more problems if you don't do this. But kind of ironic that people are somewhat confused by these kind of things. They don't necessarily think of maintenance, vehicle maintenance, as an insurance policy. But that's exactly what it is. You're spending a, a little, little bit of money to prevent something that, that costs, costs a whole lot of money. Sure. And number one, we obviously always talk about oil changes because it's one of the most common things that sure. people do. It comes Should up be doing. Often. And oil changes cannot ever, ever be based on mileage without considering the use of, of the, the vehicle. vehicle. Exactly. It's very, very irresponsible to say you can change all every X number of miles without knowing anything about the way the person operates the vehicle. Because one vehicle... For instance, my car, my average trip is 75 miles. I get in the car, and I'm driving 75 miles one way at highway speed all week long. That is what we do. And that car can go longer sure. than a car that gets in and goes three, four or five miles and stops. Right. It's a totally different way of driving the vehicle, operating the vehicle. That's right. Let's go to our phone lines. we got Roy online. Good morning, Roy. Good morning. Glad you're taking my call. Yes, sir. I had a 2011 Chevy Avalanche. Uh-huh. I wanted to find out a question. I had my condenser and my lines was freezing up on my air conditioning, and it wasn't blowing at all inside the cab. Mm-hmm. And I took it to the shop, and they told me that the office tube was plugged, and that was the reason why it was. And they charged me a bunch of money trying to fix it. And when I drove it away a week or so later, it's still doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Well, I can tell you, Roy, an orifice tube never, ever, ever plugs up on its own. For no reason. It, it just can't possibly happen. It's in a line that's almost sterile. It's a little filter, 
if that tube plugged up, something had to plug it up. The material has to come from somewhere. And that is a sealed system. It's a sealed system. Nothing gets in. Okay, so something in the system has failed. Now, it could be the filter dryer has failed. It's got like a clay desk in there, and that plugged the tube up. It could be the compressor's going bad and the metal plugged it up. We've got to know, first off, what caused that tube to plug up. To go in and replace a clogged filter is totally irresponsible. So I would not ever go back to that shop, I can tell you. Anybody that would do that is just, they don't know the they first thing about the You're right. what's going on. Something had to have plugged that tube. And if you change the tube, basically, the it's just going to happen again. The filter, yeah, it's, it's kind of like if the fuse blows at your house, and you just put another fuse, and it blows again, you just put another fuse. I mean, how long is that going to go on? Right, I understand. Your yeah. filter doesn't just plug up, not ever. That's a sealed system. It's completely sterile inside. Nothing gets in, nothing gets out. If that tube did plug up, if that were the original cause of the problem, then you got something else going on. You're going to have to address the root cause of the problem or you'll just be going on with it forever. And it's going to get right. worse and worse and worse. Right, right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that because I needed that information. Okay, Mr. Roy. Thank you. Thanks for calling in. Bye-bye. Okay. I right straight back to our phone lines. Will, good morning, Will. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Doing wonderful, sir. Sir, look, I got something unusual. I have a 1925 Model T. Mm-hmm. All right. And I bought it from a guy in Texas, mm-hmm. and it hadn't been started in five years. Okay. And it looks great, and I changed all the fluids and the oil and everything in it. But it has a, a six-volt. They changed from the, uh, the box call to a... Uh, a regular six volt car, and it, and I got new spark plugs in and wires and everything, and it's got a distributor in it. But it won't fire. It won't. I took the call, the top off the distributor, and looked at it. It's getting fired to the distributor from the six volt car, but it's not firing the, the plugs. Well, not. What do you what do you call the distributor on it, Will? Okay, it's it, uh, up on the front of the motor. You got that round thing with the wheel in it. It goes around. Right, that's the call. No, no, okay, that, got, the call's back on the firewall. Or, right, the, the call on the firewall, right. Right. No, there's a part that some people call a distributor. It's actually the actuator. That will not make a spark, okay? Okay. What that the, does, the that, it one, just connects. Uh, all right. The one that the wire run into, you know, the, the, the uh. Yeah, I, I can tell you the, the way the original system. The yeah, I can tell you the way the original system works. I got no idea how they got this one hooked up, but the way the original yeah. system works, see, the call has the points on the front of it. The little right. building point. That's, that's right. what yeah, makes a spark. You gotta right. have that. Now, if they've taken that off and put a regular collar, it ain't going to fire because there's nothing. The, the field has to rise and collapse. That's what makes a spark. You see, so unless they put something else in there that can do that, like a set of points or something. Yeah, they got a set of points in it. They yeah. got a regular. Yeah, they, they, they went with the points. Yeah, I'd have to see it. I Man, I just can't imagine how they got it hooked up. But, I mean, it's not yeah. a very complicated system. It, it should be pretty easy to figure out. That's right. It is. It is. It's so easy, man. And, and I had a couple of guys, um, another guy, look. But I can't really move it. You know, I need to have Do you know anybody that, that can come by and look at it? Because I know it's pretty yeah. simple. I'm just, I don't know anybody I'm just who goes out. Yeah, I don't yeah. know anybody goes out. And if they do something that, that old, you're trying to find somebody who even knows how right. that thing ever worked. That's that's going to be the problem. Right. Yeah, that's going to be your problem. You know, you, you'd have to find an older mechanic that knows how it works. And like I said, the, the original one just had like a, a wheel that went around the front. And every time it would touch, it would send power to the call. The call would make right. a spark and duck it back to the plugs. But, right. you know, they've hooked up something totally different, so you're going to have to be able to look right. at it and figure out what they've done. I mean, it wouldn't be that difficult to hook it back the way it originally went 
which would make the car worth more because it would be original. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd probably, if it were me, I'd be looking at, you know, you got a car that old, I'd like to try to keep it original if right. you could. Right. Okay. Well, all right. I appreciate it, man. Okay, well, all right. thanks for calling me. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. All right, bye. All right, let's see. We've got time for one more. We'll try. <laughs> yeah, we'll give it a shot. John, if you can make it real, real quick. I only got about a minute. Sure. Sorry, I realized I came late. Um, I just wanted to wish you guys a happy new year, you know. We haven't talked in a long time, and a uh, quick one was that I watch Scotty sometimes just for fun to see what he doesn't know, and he, he's telling people that he, they can flush the antifreeze in the in the radiator and what have you, and not the not the transmission. It's okay for the antifreeze. I'm thinking, yeah, and you're going to plug up the heater. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was my friend Lewis that really knows what's yeah. going on. I kind of like to play the game of listening to him and find out what he doesn't know. There, there you go. go. <laughs> he's made himself a millionaire with wrong information sometimes. There you wow. go. All right, anyway, John. That's, I know you got to go, but uh, I just wanted to give you a little a laugh at the end of the day. Great. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Colin. Happy okay, New Year bye. to you, man. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. All right, we got to start getting on out of here, getting ready to wind it up. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service. Find a written view and fill it out for us. All right, it moves up in the ranking so that when people click something like auto repair, we come up close to the top of the list. So more people listen, more people listen, longer we can do the show. There you go. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.